Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Season 3, Episode 32. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. And back this week is our fantastic producer, Mr. Alex Patakis in New York City. How's it going, Alex? It's going well. How are you guys? You know what? I feel good. We get to talk about a fun game, guys. It seems like it's been a while. Um, But man, oh man, 1-0 victory at home against Chelsea. Huge three points. A lot to talk about, Paul. What were your initial reactions? Initial reactions, you're just immediately buoyed by those three points. And then you're instinctively looking at the table about how it shakes out and how the other results were coming in. And I made the cardinal sin of doing that at half time. And I thought I'd proper jinx <laughs> it at that point. But thankfully, we hung on. And it, <clears throat> it just seemed like a really composed compact performance where across the board you'd say seven out of ten but then you had some players amongst there that excelled and hit the eights and nines so when you put all that together at home um i don't know what it is about the opposition when we if we're playing up to them these so-called biggest sides coming into town whether it's the glitz and the glamour and the, the players raising their game but there was a lot taught this week about these, you know, it's not down to the manager. It's the, it's the time for these players to step mm-hmm. up. And it was a definite case that it looked like they did. Um, Formation-wise, looked good, looked solid, still had a little creativity in it, it, it seemed. It was nice to see him run somewhat of a, a 4-4-2 with two dedicated uh, forwards, Costa being the more advanced, and then um, Cunha be behind or taking up that that more free role. And again, you see some green shoots, I think, from from his performance and some of the positions that he was getting into. But I think you know, I think you know, it's a good performance when you can talk about a Daniel Podence game in positive terms. That. <laughs> When when he plays well and when he looks after the ball, it seems the Wolves play well, and 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 that was it. You know, he, he had a hand in a few stuff, um, and just defensive solidity. You you, you can't ask for much more than what they put out yesterday. I thought um, probably Samedo went under the radar a little bit, but he probably had one of his best games in the Wolves jersey. He really did, and. Some of the blocks that, that Dawson put it out there, left it all out on the line, uh, similar for Kilman, and then Toti again at, at left back. They might have stumbled on a, on a hidden gem for him to see it, see it out potentially for the end of the season and just go mm-hmm. really solid down the left-hand side with that more um, more centre-back version of a left-back there that, that locks it down. So... Ton of positives on another day. We, we may have got one, uh, another one. But I think balance of play, pretty 50-50. But I can't really recall Saar being made to work really hard in terms of one pulling out. One shot on target. Chelsea yeah. had one shot on target. It's insane. So I think that's that collectively what you speak to is, is that team effort with, uh, with that stat, definitely. Alex... I know you were cheering hard when Matthias hit that shot. You've been I feel like you've been calling the Matthias goal for months now and it finally happened. <laughs> finally, yeah. I don't think you get any credit when it comes like 3 months late. Um yeah, so I'll give uh, it to you. But I, and that's not the type of goal I would have expected him to score either, but it just felt good for him to get it because um I I think maybe 2 weeks ago um we briefly discussed like what the what the run-in would look like for wolves and also um i had mentioned that i i was really excited to see how matthias is used and and just what we get out of him because again it's a make or break summer for him right like mm-hmm. liverpool is reportedly no longer interested in him i don't know if That's i believe that yeah oh boohoo um and um 
Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, he's he's at the point where he has a big price tag. He comes in as he's no longer the record signing, but he was, you know, a few short months ago um, where he's trying to prove himself in the best league in the world. And so far, I would say he's been kind of a disappointment, even though we all know that the talent is there. So for him to just kind of like break through with that goal of that nature in a game of this uh importance to them uh felt so good but man what a goal what a goal and just, and, and the reactions like i i Cunha's reaction I don't know how was, you guys were Cunha's reaction was the best and i had even seen it before the announcer said it on there as it goes in and Cunha's just has his head up hand on his head like what just happened <laughs> so were you guys was that your reactions too because oh yeah mine was way more like fist pumping like yes and like but like i totally get how if some people would just be like total disbelief i was mine... just like oh my god it uh, it sounds very much after the fact but i generally thought as soon as that left his foot it was a goal and just the way that it went in you, you couldn't have placed it any better the the sweetness that must have felt leaving his foot must be the the best feeling in the world, and I think you you mentioned previously about he he needs a goal or something to kickstart it. You could just tell the relief, not just like that. It, it must have built up so much that his celebration was more that relief and just letting it all go. And hopefully that that's a real kickstart now. You know he did. He was very proud of the badge. Uh, during that celebration, which I thought was very interesting for a guy that hasn't really been the fans most popular because he has disappointed for him to do that. I think that that said a lot to me. Um, so, of course, you know, we're talking about, whoa, what was the difference with Matthias this week? Well, we can say there was one difference. I got a uh, tweet from Roll Persuasion that said, brace yourself. The we don't need Nevis fans are coming. And we got a no stupid question about that too, Alex. Yes, um, we do. Uh, Sam Spencer then uh, weighed in and said, think our recruitment team deserves some plaudits. That was our first glimpse of life after Nevis. I hate that this is already a narrative uh, without Nevis thing. Uh, if he does leave and we looked solid in the midfield thoughts. So to Sam's question, without Nevis equals... Well, it, I think it equaled Matthias being in a more natural spot for him. And we also got a glimpse of the next Neves, and that was Jao Gomez, Paul. I think the, the Gomez performance in particular, if there was one that could define defensive midfielder, if you looked at that definition in the dictionary, there'd be a picture of him. And it, it goes to show how... Much that position's evolved over the years. No longer it's just a guy that sits in the middle of the park and kicks everything that goes past. He was everywhere, chasing down, didn't give him a break, able to to come away with the ball, try forwards. It had a little bit of everything. That was even a better performance than Lamina against Liverpool, and that's saying that's saying a heck of a lot. So I think it it does to me show there'll be There'll never be another Neves. Like ne we'll never see a, a play like him again. I don't think in a Wolves jersey, but it it definitely gives. Um, I see both sides of the the argument um, if it's presented that way. But uh, it makes me think there's life after Neves. But it does make me think that our midfield will look a little different and have a different profile to it. And um, I think. Um, Gomez could definitely be that more um, take that centre mid berth. So uh, as far as the the positions go, I think it gives. If he's playing a three, I could see Gomez taking up that centre spot. Potentially Mateus on the right. Whether it's Lamina on the left, um, I'm not sure. If it is more of a um, a, a double pivot with two more defensive midfielders, centre midfielders, and then three forwards. Um, I think probably um, it's it's Lamina and Gomez and whether uh, Mateus could play that more advanced role 
on the right-hand side or whether he could take one of those spots in the centre and be able to drive forward from that position. Might be interesting to see the dynamics with that. I tell you what, we talked box-to-box midfielder. Holy shit, Jao Gomez was everywhere. Nunez, too, was everywhere. I mean, those guys, I love Wolves uh, posted today. Uh, just Jao Gomez winning the ball back repeatedly, a video of it. And he retweeted it and said, that's the spirit. Flame <laughs> emoji, wolf emoji. He's quickly becoming a, a fan favorite, right, Alex? No, absolutely. And we said that we thought he would. Uh, when he joined the the team in January, um, as I'm Josh wearing my free Jao uh, Gomez shirt, yeah, uh, which is great and 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 much deserved. And um, you know, you were doing over unders um a couple weeks ago with us, Josh, and and we were talking about his starts. And at that point, you know, Nevis hasn't hadn't picked up that booking, but I, it kind of felt like the the Gomez coming out party, even though he got a goal in his debut, wouldn't happen until next year. That he was kind of just on the back burner for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that has quickly changed because we've seen the player that I think we all hoped he would be when we were watching YouTube highlight videos of him, a player who just like effortlessly wins the ball, not effortlessly, but just somehow just makes it look easy to win the ball back time after time against, you know, now in the Premier League, some world-class players. Um, so he is absolutely endearing himself to this team because he is ab- he's just like the total workman's midfielder. Um, which I feel like for this fan base uh, and this team, which is in a fight that, that we've been looking for players who are up for the relegation battle, right? Like guys who are willing to scrap. He's, he's everything we've been wanting and he's 22, you know, and, and that's the best part of it is that he's got a ceiling that he's not even close to hitting. It feels like yet. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. Paul, do you feel like, here in the next year or two, he's going to be playing more like Neves or more like Moutinho? Because he seems to have a little bit of what both of those guys can bring. That's where I feel that, again, we're not going to see a a similar dynamic midfield that we've ever had because they are, they're two distinctly, they're similar but different. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're they're filling a role, but they will play it differently. Um. Neves probably reads the game better, isn't as mobile across the ground as he is. Um, obviously, he's got that ability to pick up the pass, but it just seemed yesterday that it allowed us to play probably five to ten yards further up the pitch, and I think that helped. And it did give a little more impetus to, to play on the front foot. Um and that's no slight on Neves. That's again, I just think the the dynamo, di, dynamism of the midfield allows you to set up a little more proactively. All right, so guys, they did get a shutout, which means it is lunch lunch for uh, the Wolves players this week. So we're going to do a little something, uh, which I hope to make this uh, an every week thing. Anytime they have a clean sheet, so instead of like just basic man of the match, I'm going to ask. You know, three three questions here, and you guys have to answer. The first one, who gets to order first at lunch? Who earned that right, Paul? I think that's that's got to be Gomez. I think um, man of the match, he, 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 he tarred with uh, Mateus' strike, and definitely first half, he was awesome, maybe tailed off in the second, but uh, Gomez was a constant. So for, for first... Effective, effectively, man of the match. He's got that first dibs. How about you, Alex? Um, I, I, I would nominate him, but I guess just to be a little bit different, I just want to give a shout out. Um, and I think let's let's just. I know that Nevis is probably invited to this lunch, but let's just say, like you know, because he's suspended, I just want to acknowledge Max Kilman, who I thought had a really good game, and he steps in as the captain. Um. And a really solid defensive performance, him and Dawson, uh, and Semedo for that matter. Toady, really. I mean, I, I mean, he was an anchor uh, on a defensive unit that made uh, a very, very, very expensive Chelsea uh, front line look really blunt. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of sharpness to them. So, 
you know what max is wearing the armband like you, you order first my man and i nice. hope you order you know don't don't cheap out get something expensive <laughs> you know you earned it <laughs> all right who gets to pick out the appetizers for the table paul choices for the table uh again this is a little uh may may not be thought of but a very uh again a, a particular role that may have gone under the radar somewhat and it brings it adds another conversation in that he was probably taking the place of someone who we thought would be beyond there but i'm going to give it wang because he put himself out there a ton yesterday and considering that we started with Costa there was no Raul there was a lot on his shoulders to come on and 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 do what he did and I thought that I thought for once we had a pretty decent official but to give a foul when he won the ball off Kublai who's built like a brick outhouse and went down just like a feather just because he got knocked off the ball by Wang, he used his strength to, to bring it away. And he put it on a plate for Sarabu, who could have could easily scored. Um, it, it goes Wang for me. I thought he did great. Alex? Yeah, I'll go with Tony Gomez, because I think uh, it feels kind of like an honorable mention uh, award <laughs> to order the appetizers. And, um, you know, I, he... He didn't do anything spectacular, but he but also he, didn't yeah. do anything wrong. Um, uh-huh. which for a player who's I mean, that's not his position. He's playing out of position, you know. I I, I mean, we're just trying stuff here because whatever happened with Aiden Nori is like apparently unforgivable. So um <laughs> for him to be able to step in and 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 play as well as he did, not to mention against Raheem Sterling and Reese James overlapping, like that is not easy. Um yeah. So go ahead and uh, you could he could put in the fried calamari and the uh, artichoke dip for for us this time. <laughs> and, and another thing I think that's a positive about Toti starting is it adds another six footer to corners mm-hmm. on, on both ends of the pitch because we're not the biggest team. And it did seem yesterday that although the delivery wasn't necessarily on the money, we may it just looked like we had a little bit more threat in the box or our for our corners. So I think that adds to uh, his game as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, who gets to order a second dessert, Paul? Oh, that's a, it's It's got to be Mateus, so that strike. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You, you, you get treated for a goal like that for sure. Alex. No, I mean, there's no other answer. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, I think after all the games, if if it's a shutout, a clean sheet, Alex, we need to uh, uh, put that on the Twitter feed and have everybody named there. It's got to be who orders, who orders first, who orders the appetizers, who gets the double dessert. And we should also we should also ask what kind of food do they get to eat this week? I feel like it would be American food as a nice little jab to the Chelsea ownership, but. Maybe you guys is is it? Do we go a little ethnic? I think there's two there's two ones we could take here. Didn't New York Wolves have a pretty strong contingent there this week, Alex? I saw some pictures, so that lends itself to the um, to the American team. Or they can go uh, Indian because I know it was a Samosa Saturday there mm. as well for the fundraising. So. It could be a, it could be an Indian dish in support of that. Ooh, I like it. I like it. So yeah, I, I'm sure the journalists are also hoping that uh, they get some pizza this week for the clean sheet. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul, what did you think of Tony Gomez? I think Alex really said it well. Um, do you think this is a position he could play regularly, or is this just going to be, hey, let's have him? play it out this season and then reevaluate. I think it may have been post-match comments or an interview just before that he's played the position in the past, obviously not at a Premier League level. So he has got that type of comfort. And I I do think with the type of um, 
centre back they look to be identifying. And this goes back to, to the recruitment and the way I think they want the team to play. They want centre-backs who are comfortable with the ball at the feet, with the likes of Toti and Kilman. And I think that naturally, even um, Nate, um, Collins as well, that, mm-hmm. that naturally lends itself to being able to take a full-back position because you, you've got that comfort with the, the feet of the ball if you've got the right type of profile. So he, he could definitely do a job and, and step in. I think maybe Collins could as well at right-back uh, when needed. I probably don't see it as a, a long-term thing because I think the ceiling that Bueno's got is massive. So um, that would probably be my, my go-to. But against certain opposition, maybe certain profile of, of the team that we need to put out again when it comes to those little nuances like height and defending set pieces. There could be certain games where he's the starter down to his physical attributes. Alex, do you think we, we've seen a lot of tinkering with uh, Lopetegui um, when it comes to his lineups? Can you see him bringing in this exact lineup against Brentford this next week? Or do you still still see maybe a couple of changes? Um, I I feel like it's foolish to expect the same lineup just because we never <laughs> get it. We, we rarely even get the same formation. Um, but with that being said, I, I, I do feel that this work, I, I, I and I'm stumbling all over the place. Let, let me just put it this way. Without Neves, I would love to see the same spine of the team. And I, by that, I mean, I feel like we know that Kilman and, and Dawson are probably going to start. I really, uh, Lamina, Jao Gomez, there's a reason they were oh, both bought in so January. fun, too. They're, they're, that is, to me, what feels like the future of a Lopetegui midfield and, uh, and mm-hmm. what's around it. Um, really depends, which I think also lends itself to a further what is Matthias's position in the future? <laughs> and does he have a future here conversation, which as good as he played is still something we're talking about. Um, And I quite like Diego Costa playing with Cunha. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he does. He's clearly not the same player physically, but I don't. I don't know how to quantify what he adds when he's playing and starting for this team. But to me, Costa feels like a guy who enables other players to shine a little bit around him. And I like that quality. Like, I feel like he's willing to do some of the dirty work to let Cunha get into good positions. There were many times he was in the penalty area, kind of like slightly off to the right side where you know, I think he put one like way over the bar that probably should have been on target and another similar one, or I think um, a save was made uh, in the same game, but I want to see that what's around it. I don't know um, because it's, it's really anybody's guess with Lopetegui, but to something Paul said earlier, I don't know where he would fit in. Uh, Huang, I feel like is someone who's got to play like he's, he's when healthy since the world cup, and since he had a very good World Cup with Korea, I feel like he's been a play. I, I, and I don't know where, what position that would be in. And if it's that 4-4-2-ish look, I don't know where that would be. Does he play over Podence? That's not really his natural position. But he's someone I could see coming into the team to start if there were a change that I would make. Hmm. Interesting. Paul, now that the monkey is off, Matthias is back. Who on the team has the most pressure to score their first goal of the year? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, I'm hitting you guys up. Yeah, who, who's left to who's left to get one? Uh, so I think it's what Costa. Um, the, yeah, the, um, Cunha gets the one versus Leeds, the deflected one, so they gave him that one, uh, so he's got his. Uh, it's it's still got to be an attacker, and I think that comes down to uh, that comes down to Costa really if he's starting. Or Neto, yeah, or Neto. But I think I saw either a, a stat posted on Twitter that 
our last 11 goals have been scored by 11 different players. So <laughs> we, we, we talk about this, this goal drought and or from the attackers and we're not a free scoring team by any stretch, but at least it gives some variety. So I'll either go for that attacker or I'd like a big towering header from uh, Max Kilman hasn't scored this season, has he? I don't think. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Let's have one from Max. How about you, Alex? Yeah. Um, I think Diego is. I I would go Neto. I I That's think what I kind of like too. It would mark his return. I think Costa getting one would be great, but and and, and he's not playing recently. But uh, I mean, if had he started this last game and not scored, I would probably say Raúl. But to me, it's it's more. It's more Neto kind of like, yeah, c- coming back full circle from that that injury um, and and kind of stamping his return as a as a player of significance in this squad going forward. Yeah, and I think that pressure may be self-made as uh, as well. I think Neto probably because he seems pretty hard on himself. He wants to go out and score every time. Um, so I could see that. Um Paul, do we do we still know what's happening with Eight Nuri? I mean, we saw he was in training at least with his shaved head. He did <laughs> did like did he not give his hair to Locks of Love and it ticked off Lopetegui? I mean, what's going on? It it, it does seem a little um on on the one hand, it, it's an extended period, which gives you that makes those questions resonate even more and even to the extent of obviously with Neves being unavailable and playing an extra midfielder it meant that Joe Hodge came onto the bench so he took up that place obviously if needed to, to come in centre mid when the cover's there for left back with Bueno so it's it it's a tricky one with Nuri because he's very much a a marketable asset and at one point he was really making a mockery of, of the potential his, his current value potentially again what he could command and with the likes of you're never sure if there's any uh truth behind the rumors but the like likes of man city mooted and even chelsea i think was another one when they're mm-hmm. on the lookout for for a left back so that they've they've got to balance it that way um I think he's must be, if possible, he's definitely worth persevering with. But um, it, it's going to be interesting if it, it comes to light about what this extended absence has been caused, it, or if it is genuine and, and down to down to tactics. It's um, it's a conundrum, I think. What do you think, Alex? I just. I'm shocked that this, whatever it is hasn't leaked yet, <laughs> honestly, because to yeah. me, it feels like it needs to almost be something dramatic. And I say that because, um, one, it, it can't just be about, I mean, the Lopetegui era started with an eight Nori winning goal against Everton and then him playing in a more advanced position as a left winger or a left midfielder. And all of a sudden we were thinking like, maybe Lopetegui's genius is going to turn this guy into like the, attacking player that we did don't have um mm-hmm. that we've been craving um and since then i mean i know he probably doesn't offer as much defensively as a left back but i don't really remember a performance where he did much wrong so it's got to be an off field thing right yeah. I, and that's that's what's what's crazy to me and what i what i was really thinking about the whole time paul was talking is like if there's that big of a rift, does he get invited to the clean sheet lunch? Like, does he get to Ooh. sit at the table? Is he Ooh. relegated to the bar and he can't even like talk to his teammates and sit <laughs> at the table of 20 something? Like, what's the deal with that? Ooh, that's um, a good question. Is he even <laughs> invited? This guy feels like he's been exiled and I just can't figure out why, because it, it would be one thing, you know, if he wasn't playing, we weren't noticing behind Bueno, but the Bueno injury almost felt like it would, it would solidify him. Yeah, and it pushed him further down. <laughs> it, it really did. It, it, yeah. it, that's what's totally baffling about it to me. 
and and his value is diminishing as someone who could you could conceivably see being sold on and having a you know a second chance at kind of kickstarting his career somewhere else mm -hmm. Hmm. well it was a big three points wolves are now four points clear of relegation and there's it, thankfully everybody's pretty much caught up the only team with a game in hand is west ham and i don't think west ham is going to be in the relegation battle for too much longer um, they are a little streaky, but they seem to be taking care of the games they need to take care of. Um, so looking here, can we pretty much confidently say right now that Southampton and Leicester City are going down, Paul? I think Southampton, you can. The Leicester one just seems totally unexpected and that there'd have been no one's pick at the start of the season for sure. But sometimes you... There's that team that they're they're too good to go down, or they're they're no one's pick, and sometimes you hit that spiral that that you just can't get out of. And Leicester could be be in it, and it, that could be speeding speeding up the spiral, regardless of who comes in to try and turn it around. Uh, it could be too little, too late, and that could be a, a big shock if they're. If they're one of the one of the three, it's often said that you, you you don't care where you finish as long as you you're not the third one of the three worst teams. <laughs> and That's right. Definitely, definitely Southampton are, Leicester are, possibly Leeds were today. Um, and you, you look at those types of teams. I think we've got we've got two more wins on those. We've got eight wins. They've got six. And that that kind of tells you, I think, where where it falls in terms of who the teams are that are going to go down. I think if we we hold our ground, we we're going to be relatively comfortable, and and those teams are, are going to be struggle uh, struggling and may not get out of it. Let's remember we lost to Leicester four <laughs> nil. That still blows my mind. Um, this week should be interesting. Brentford, you know, Wolves, they can they can give Wolves some trouble. It is at Molyneux, so let's see. But Southampton is playing Crystal Palace. That's, you know, not really sure what to think of that game. Uh, Everton could pick up some points against Fulham, who's just in a free fall. But then you have ones like Leicester City, Man City. Well, Leicester City is not getting points from that. I would be stunned. Same with Nine and Forest and Manchester United. United's not playing as well right now, but... Um, neither is Forest and Leeds Liverpool. So you could even look at it and say, well, even if Wolves, if if they get a point this week, that could be a positive result. And I, I think that's good. And and even then looking the next week, that's going to be the big game to me, Paul, is that April 22nd game against Leicester. What do you think? I think we need a, a, a defining away win. In, in this running to really solidify our position and, and our, our place that we are going to keep our ourselves out of trouble. I, and it, we, it feels like we're still a long way away from it. We're not really, but it does to me think that if we're going to look for um, that game to, to pick up those three points, it's that one because mm -hmm. They will, they will have to do something by that stage of the season as well. They can't sit back or anything. They, they'll need their three points. I think that could play into our hands. Um, in the lead up to that, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the games that Crystal Palace play because I want them to rock up to Molyneux in a couple of weeks' time on that Tuesday and be relatively safe. So maybe they, they take their foot off the gas a little, and that's one that we can we can capitalize on. So anything that they can do that inflicts damage on those below us, like they did today against Leeds, uh, I'm an advocate of those types of results. And then we try and get something against them when we play. It does seem the narrative that we do play better against the teams above us. So maybe we beat them and <laughs> Brentford just because of their position in the table. Those Tuesday games, I hate. They're, they're almost like NFL Thursday night games. They just always feel weird don't really feel like it's the best play 
Um, and I, I mean, we have to think too, it's not just our performances. You have to look at now the guys below us in the table. Do you know who Nine and Forest has coming up here the next few weeks? They are playing Manchester United, then Liverpool, then Brighton. Those are their next three games. And they still have Arsenal the week before the end of the season. They have Chelsea, which, uh, I mean, Chelsea could snap out of it at any point. Um, You know, I'm glad it wasn't against us. And they end against Crystal Palace, which should be interesting, Paul, because you're bringing up the the whole, well, maybe um, Palace will be safe by then. But looking at that and then looking at Wolves' schedule, I can't see where Nine and Forest is picking up. Really, they would need five more points than Wolves because Wolves are four ahead right now, but they own a 12-goal advantage in goal differential. Okay, so that makes me feel pretty good. All right, Everton. Everton's got a little easier of a schedule, but they they still have to play Man City. They still have to play us, which will be a big game. Um, they still have to play Newcastle. So there are those teams below us. You, they've got tough schedules coming up too. Yeah, it is. Uh, you start to figure out those permutations and everything, and and you're looking for where you can pick up the points, but at the same time, you can. You, you can pick up one or zero even and solidify your place just because the others can't gain points on you because they're getting beaten as well. So it's it's not just about who you're facing, it's how it falls uh, across the country with those other games as well. Alex, I don't know about you. I just want that season finale game against Arsenal. Wolves are safe and don't need to scoreboard watch i don't want to go in there going well we don't necessarily need a point if this and this and this happens like i would just like it to be because arsenal has a chance to win the title that day and i don't want to go in needing to get a draw (laughs) to stay up going against the team that's going for the title and is going to be like stacked and ready to go yeah, I, I think it's it's got to be relevant for Arsenal only going into that. And that's the only way that we can enjoy it. Um, and that's exactly that. It's just safety for Wolves has been clinched. And it mm-hmm. probably would be a little bit tastier if Arsenal hasn't necessarily clinched it, which is a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, because just looking at the top of the table, um, there's six points clear. City have a game in hand and they play each other again. So if City win their game in hand and then beat Arsenal, we could be in a in a situation where goal difference or the result of the final game of the season could be relevant. And um Wolves were in a pretty relevant game at the end of last year, and that was pretty fun, you know. Um yeah. so I just hope it's yeah, I just hope it's a one-sided relevance only for Arsenal. Um, and that Wolves have clinched safety by then, which maybe I'm being too optimistic, but for all the reasons you just mentioned about the teams beneath us, who some still don't have a manager, uh, I don't think it's far-fetched to think um, that that could be the case. Yeah, I mean, you look at that match day 38, Everton and Bournemouth are playing each other. Somebody's got to get points there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Leeds is going against Tottenham. You never know with them. They may be like packing Southampton uh, they'll probably be out by then but West Ham and Leicester too you just there's some where you can see the teams below getting some points so it goes uh-oh um with the next three Paul Brentford Leicester City Crystal Palace do you feel like if Wolves get six points then we can start breathing a sigh of relief from those three games yeah I do um I think another one today that I saw there's odds out there from, from the bookmakers about the points total that's going to bring about relegation and they've got the over under on 35.5. So they're looking at 30, 36 points, which that's really those, uh, those two wins and a, a draw sprinkled in maybe I think, think we'll be okay. So six, six would be, um, effectively there, I'd say. 
Alex, where the least amount of points they can get where you'd still feel, okay, solid results. Mm. Uh, four? Those three? I was going to say four, yeah. As I long as be, though, I mean, as I... long as the win is Lester, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's important who the win comes against, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they don't beat Brentford, I'm not going to be sad. If they get a point against Brentford, arguably I'll be really happy knowing that they could still get points against um other teams in the relegation battle, right? So, uh, I I think four four is my minimum. Five outstanding six. I'm like, oh, we could we. Could. We might be safe. <laughs> yeah. Five would be interesting. That would mean getting a result from all three games. Whereas yeah, six, little... it would be, you know, two results and one, you know, loss. So um, it would be interesting. I'd be happy with five as long as the win was against Leicester. I would look at that as positive. Obviously, I'd love nine points, but let's be realistic. Wolves aren't going to get nine points. We know they're going to screw up one of these games. <laughs> <laughs> which which of those three games, Paul, do you think has the bigger uh, stink bomb potential? Um, Lester, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't actually. I just uh, whenever it comes to a home game, I've just got that dread, and it, it it feels like we don't have a good good run of form at home versus Brentford. Palace are just one of those teams that we either we either play well against and beat comfortably, or we shit the bed and we cough up a, a two-nil defeat at home. So I'm I'm less worried about the away game and and more worried about what we do at home, and that's even coming off a one-nil victory against Chelsea, just because it's the the different type of opposition that we'll face. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves. So, guys, we're kind of already talking about Brentford, like, just big picture, but, you know, the game is Saturday. It's going to be at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central. Paul, I'm going to be on the West Coast, so I got to wake up to watch it at 7. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know, man, you West Coast guys. Uh, man, that's tough. I... <laughs> so, we'll see I'm a feeling. Hopefully, I'm waking up that early you know, by the beach going, you know what? This was a good way to start the weekend. I don't want my weekend being ruined that that quick, Paul. I don't know. It is pretty early when it's West Coast time. It can, that can really shape your weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get pissed when I wake up and they lose at nine o'clock. Oh, geez, I get up for that early. Um, so lineup wise, what are you thinking, Paul? Um. It, it's a good question. I'm I'm leaning a little like what uh, Alex said. I'd be, I think Costa played on Saturday to fill a particular role, which I don't necessarily think we we need exactly against Brentford. So I'd definitely like to see the same shape return. I'd like to see potentially if Costa doesn't start for Wang to come in and have that fluidity and mobility that um, we saw at Anfield in the Cup where they dovetailed pretty well. Um, we we still, we, with that, rather than Wang coming in for Podence, I still think we need a creative spark from somewhere. And in, in terms of form, especially being at Molyneux, I'd probably have that as, as Podence over Sarabia at the moment. Um, but I could see I could see a more fluid four three three if it was Wang Cunha and Sarabi on the right. I, what do you think, I don't. Alex? I don't think he'll be that. Um, he'll tweak with it that much. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I th- I think that's actually thinking about it now is is kind of an ideal lineup um, because I think. 
uh, while I like Cunha playing with another central striker to play off of, I think Cunha and Sarabia together, even if Cunha has to play in that central striker position, is always a good thing. I think since they both joined in January, I think it's been proven maybe other than Podence and Spurts that they could be probably the two most creative players. And I, I like Huang coming in. Um, to me, that feels like what, what Paul's putting forth, like the, you know, like what we just say, like play your best 11. Um, I feel like that is probably the best 11. And that the midfield would then consist of Lamina kind of dropping back like he normally does between the defenders and being that, you know, defensive midfielder and then Gomez and, and Matthias um, being the other two in the middle and, and, Moutinho off the bench. Um, I would say that that's, that's gotta be the ideal 11. I'm, I'm super excited to see that midfield three again this week. Like I was just getting so pumped watching what those three were doing together. I mean, they were just everywhere and that's the man. That's the way to win the fans over and get fans excited. When you see them, you know, making a play to, um, you know, down on the final third, and then they're rushing back and stealing the ball back. Just absolutely love it. Guys, let's look at the prediction board. Nick, last week, our new guest, he got a big uh, one point because he predicted a 2-1 Wolves win. Alex, uh, we both thought Chelsea was going to win, and we got no points. Paul had a draw, so no points. So our guest spot is now up to 28 points. Uh, I'm in second with 22. You have 21. And Paul, it's still looking rough, man. You're four points, uh, four points behind in the relegation battle with eight games to go. I'm the Southampton of our prediction league. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is we have a chance to catch up on uh, the guest spot, Alex. Yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sad when our guests are easily the top guessers on here. All right, yeah. Alex, I'll let you go first. What's your prediction? Ooh, uh, I am going to say 1-1. One, one. Get a point at home. I'll take it all day. Ivan Tony just probably has He'll to get some stupid-ass penalty. Yeah, another pen. I know he scored a pen last. I feel like he scored a lot of penalties recently. I know he got one last week. Um... But we'll Wolves get one on the board as well, playing uh um on the front foot at home again, feeling like safety is within their reach. So that's what I got. Paul? Yeah, it feels a little yeah, I can't copycat it exactly, but I would lean to to one each. Um and I don't want to predict a win in the hope that I'll predict the wrong result that brings about a win. So I'll go for a two two tie. Two two draw. Okay. Uh Paul, you remember what I said last week? I said, man, I'm gonna pick Chelsea. And if Wolves come and win, I'm gonna pick against them again this next week. So <laughs> let's say one nil, one nil Brentford with wink. We know what I'm hoping for. So yeah, that's what I'm going with. And you know what? All may catch me in the standings, but if I if they keep winning, I'm gonna keep going against them and hopefully get out of this relegation doo doo. All right, Alex, it's everybody's favorite time of the podcast. No stupid questions. What do we got this week? All right. Well, we already hit on Sam Spencer's earlier about the uh, recruitment team deserving some plaudits for uh, what the midfield looked like without Nevis. Uh, we got a couple more, though. Some good ones coming in via Twitter. At WLWPod is the handle where you can tweet them. Um, let's start with uh, the Cage Fighting Pod. At the Cage Fighting Pod, um, what is the best Nicholas Cage film? This is something I believe a, a while back in the archives we might have discussed on this show um, when uh, Stu from the Wolves Fancast was on, who I know is a... Um, member of the cage fighting podcast but what do you guys have as your favorite nicholas cage film paul what's yours i'll let you start i think i said it previously when it was mentioned and i haven't got a vast 
uh, plethora of knowledge to delve into. But at the time, I loved Face Off. I think it's pretty timeless and could even make for a pretty good remake as well. So I'm sticking with Face Off. Okay. Uh, and there, so there's some good ones. I, you know, I'm looking through his IMDb, which is just crazy the amount of films he's done. Uh, did is. you know he had a pretty good stretch there where he had National Treasure, Lord of War, World Trade Center, and then the iconic The Wicker Man. I mean, that was a good one. And that's not even going into the Leaving Las Vegas, The Rock, Con Air, Face Off for film trick. But my favorite, my favorite one is one of his newer ones. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Willie's Wonderland. Have you guys seen that? No. Nicholas Cage says nothing the entire movie. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And it's <laughs> it's about a Chuck E. Cheese where the animatronics are um actually possessed by a satanic cult and so it's been closed and uh he's like being sacrificed because he had needed a tire change so they hire him because he doesn't have money to clean the place and nicholas cage kicks ass on animatronic possessed uh dolls while without saying a word the entire movie it's incredible the only one who could have pulled it off was nick cage Still sounds like every Chuck E. Cheese I've ever been in on a Saturday afternoon. So <laughs> I will say it is definitely rated R. Uh, don't let the kiddos watch it, but I highly, highly recommend Willie's Wonderland. Wow. That's really good. Um, uh, when you're going through Nick Cage's uh, IMDb, it, 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 it's hard not to think of him as the hardest working man in Hollywood because of the sheer number of films he's starred in. And then under the upcoming tab, which means things that presumably have already been filmed and maybe not released. There's five that are so set to be released in 2023. That's insane. And that's, that's not so even including work. Renfield, which is about to release, which looks fantastic. Yeah, which he's a lead in or at least like a co-lead in where he plays Dracula. So uh -huh. um, that's amazing. Uh, the one I nominated when that question was previously discussed and I asked if it counted, so and I got an approval from Stu, so it does count. Is Kickass because I just I always mm. love that movie. I know he's not necessarily the lead in that movie, um, but uh, that 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 was mine, so I'm gonna stick with it. Um, all right, uh, continuing on, Todd Dewitt, friend of show, frequent guest, says this weekend we saw Lopetegui put away the turtleneck and step out in a crew neck. Which style will he wear next? Henley's V necks. Deep V-necks, button up, halter top. Where are we feeling in the Lopetegui fashion uh, uh, angle here? Where do we think he's going next? Hmm. Um. I think it's got to be the V-neck. I mean, he's definitely he's already kind of shown. Uh, he likes to show the chest a little bit when he had the uh, the long. Uh, sleeve shirt kind of un undone a little bit. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the V-neck. I don't know if he'll do the deep V-neck, but I think it'll be the <laughs> V-neck. I think we've... We, you got to factor in the somewhat April showers effect of British weather at the moment as well. So whilst the, the, the TV cameras may have painted a bright and sunny afternoon in Wolverhampton on Saturday... There may be that chilly wind come across or the sun goes in and you can really feel the temperature drop. So I'm I'm thinking, given that it's also cricket season that started in England, that he's going to go for the polo and then the cricket jumper that's wrapped around and then tied, like, tied together so it hangs over his shoulders. I think he'll feel into his English countryside roots a little. Nice. Wow. I absolutely Alex, love are that. you going to buy either of those? <laughs> uh, I I got to see him rock it first before I commit to <laughs> um, duplicating the uh, the look. Um, so I, here's the thing: you, you mentioned over unders uh, two weeks ago. You know, we were you were setting those lines, and we did one for turtlenecks for Lopetegui. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to worry a little bit. You know, climate change <laughs> is real. Um, it looked really nice there. Although I think right now it's in the 40s Fahrenheit there. So still probably turtleneck eligible. But I'm starting to think that we might, the under is going to hit on that. And I believe we, uh, Paul and I took the over. So I think he yeah. is going to transition from the turtleneck, which kind of stinks. I love that Todd nominated Henley. I feel like that's a look I could easily see him going with. And that feels like a natural next step for the, the, you know, kind of spring look, maybe like a Henley with like a little jacket over it, like almost like a sport coat Henley underneath thing. Um, which is like something I feel like you'd wear to like a cocktail party. That's like kind of not formal, but just like, you know, casual with some jeans. But I don't know, man. Have you guys seen the way he like some of the pictures of like him a few months ago? And now Wolverhampton has aged this man. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he's going tracksuit real soon. Like I don't have time. I'm all in on just surviving, literally just surviving. (laughs) What is it that harsh living out there during a Wolverhampton winter, Paul? You've got to. It, it's tricky because you don't know the exact. Cl- well, I my geography is too uh, too poor, and then my understanding of the climate there to to really paint the picture. But it seemed exactly the same, like Nuno, Bruno, and uh, Lopetegui, that they were more, definitely more fresher face and tanned for starters <laughs> before they came over. And a few months in, it. it does look like the life has been sucked out of him a little bit. So whether he did come from more sunnier climbs where um, you, you top up that tan a little naturally to now where, where you probably don't see sunshine a, a hell of a lot. I don't, I don't know. Um, the one that always gets me is like his, his press conferences where he's let the stubble grow out. He looks like he's been <laughs> up all night. Kind of, I feel bad. I, I would have, phone up and ask if he's okay you know that's the one that gets me yeah so i'm look um, i'm looking at average average temperatures in seville so it's in the uh, 90s this week fahrenheit in seville <laughs> even you know in february when it was quite chilly they were still high 60s low 70s in february so this has been quite a dramatic change from there to wolverhampton yeah, I, I think Wolver, uh, I think Wolves have a uh, warm weather summer training camp coming their way because Lopetegui needs it. Flights to Alicante or wherever Tenerife have been uh, have been booked. Um, all right, I can I nominate one bonus? Uh, yes. No stupid question from myself. Okay. Um, it seems like the consensus between you guys is that Southampton will be relegated. I feel like we're we could probably say that fairly confidently Mm -hmm. if you're picking that team for parts and i don't necessarily see any of those parts being like a a a prime candidate for wolves but let's say wolves get to inherit one southampton player as they get relegated who would that be if you had your pick let's see that's a, that's a good question. Um, Maitland Niles. I think I'd take Maitland Niles. I think he'd be bring some good versatility. And at a position where the future is uncertain, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Samedo maybe has one year left if he opts in for that final year, which I think is like an automatic. Mm-hmm. If, he, if you consider him a right back, he's also a right midfielder. Or Ward Prowse. I mean, you know, he's, he's solid too. God, they roster is boo-boo. yeah i was thinking back to when we previewed that game and i think they had just signed Camaldine sulamania who seemed really exciting and then he seemed exciting against wolves but like is that the type of player that won't play in the championship because he's still so unknown it's like i feel like he sticks around what do you think question we've got um it Depends how um, what they thought of Alcaraz and how he's adjusted if he's come through. If there's still any interest in him, or or is that ship sailed now that we've got a more dynamic midfield? Um, I'm just looking at the team. I think if there's one to to potentially fill um, a need and a gap, should it arise, I'd probably want to drill down and and find his age. But I think on the right side of thirty. 
I'd probably go with Walker Peters at right back because he mm. he checks the uh, homegrown category as well. I think he's got capped by England at some point as well. So maybe he's one that comes in a little under the radar, but can be be a little uh, unsung hero uh, if if potentially uh, well even even not if uh, if Semedo sticks around. There's, there's still some debate over Johnny's long-term future as well. So they're definitely in the market for one right back this summer and maybe two. I think what's yeah. going to be really interesting is if Lester goes down where some of their guys go off, because there were already rumors that Lester was in big financial issues. If they go down, I mean, Vardy, where does he go? James Madison and one of my favorite players, uh, Wilford Ndidi. Yeah. And Telemans, right, is still there. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's out of contract as well. So he's gone regardless, I think. I mean, yeah, that's a good, pretty good roster for a team that is so garbage. James Madison. Yeah. yeah. Madison uh, seems like. Madison seems like he's got Newcastle written all over him. Oh, yeah. If they do yeah, that, I could see that. Vardy, I'll, I'll be curious to see where he goes. It'll be somewhere where he's just a, you know, assassin off the bench. All right, so teams below 30 points, then. Let's open it up. So let's let's throw Lester in there. Well, you get one. Forrest is in there. You want Gibbs White back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everton on 27 points, and then Leeds is still there. They got a lot of Americans. I think we know where there. I'm going, guys. <laughs> I think we know where you're going with that one. Oh, man, but, that's tough. But if he is off the table, man, I would love some NDD from, from Leicester. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Or how about Connor Cody coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's still a Wolves player, technically. Yeah, present. This is true. At present, um, I think he is. Oh, so. actually, Calvert Calvert Lewin would would be a good one. Yeah, he's got he's got paper legs though. So, yeah. Yeah. trying to get him get twelve games out of him a season's a stretch. That's what I immediately look for: is can you get that that out and out number nine from none of them? from mm-hmm. from any of them and it's a no and that's probably why they're all in the position that they are that <laughs> those strikers don't grow on trees so you can't really pick pick off uh pick one off if they do go down yeah yeah i think so um one bonus one i'll throw in he's an american his name is not weston mckinney Tyler Adams. Could... Mm. No, well i'd love adams but I, I feel like he's bringing something wolves kind of already have with gomez yeah i agree i aronson could be a fun fit i don't think that would ever happen um ward prouse is my other gut mm-hmm. just so that we could yell shoot for someone who's far outside the box but we can't do that for nevis <laughs> but i don't know that he gets a lot of starts over these guys either but anyway um sorry to throw us off the rails but i'm sorry no to think no about- no some of these teams have some really appealing pieces and these guys aren't, you know, some of these guys are too good for the championship. So you wonder what's going to happen to them, um, which you could say about a lot of players on wolves as well. You know, two weeks from now, we could, people could be sitting there yeah. saying the same thing about yeah. us. So uh, hopefully that's, or here, here's another name to throw out there. Dean Henderson. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no, no, no way. You don't yeah. like Hendo. no, <laughs> no, and and questionable background as well. I don't think he uh, he necessarily fits that well established policy that we've got. Put it that way. Ah, gotcha. Okay. One more. Are you guys caught up on Ted Lasso yet? Uh, no. I'm an episode behind. No spoilers, oh. please. Okay. Well, they actually played wolves though. So yes, I mean, that I've very seen. briefly. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, Paul, with uh, this isn't a spoiler, but he's like, "All right, we're playing the Wolverhampton, and what is their nickname? Wanderers." He goes, "Okay, the Wolverhampton Wanderers," and they go, "Well, they they go by Wolves." He goes, "Okay, the Wolverhampton Wandering Wolves." No, just Wolves. <laughs> yeah, couldn't quite grasp how to call this team. <laughs> how would the I saw the likes of Ellicobi were 
starred in it? Did they play as Wolves players then? You know, they had so little of the actual action on the pitch that right. I didn't even notice. Yeah. It was like two seconds. And it was just the Zlatan character scoring on uh on Wolves, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Which has been a great um, addition. Having a Zlatan character on Ted Lasso has been chef's kiss. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's actually hilarious that he's probably like that in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like when you see it in the television show context, it seems so far fetched, but actually it's yeah. it's probably just <laughs> it's based not- on exactly who he is. <laughs> um anyway, all right, that's no stupid questions each and every week. Um it's a really fun part of the show. We appreciate you guys chiming in again at WLW Pod on Twitter. And if you got some long form ones, uh shoot them to us via email. Hello at wholeloutofwolves.com. With that, it brings this week's show to an end, good listeners. So we will be back same time, same place. Next week, we're going to run down everything that goes on against that Brentford game and then preview that away trip to Leicester, which is the following Saturday on April 22nd. So in the meantime, you know the drill. Let's build on Saturday and up the mighty Wolverhampton Wandering Wolves.